This is WMUA Amherst, and you are listening to... As some of you know, Caesar and I have had our disagreements. However that may be, he has shown himself to be as wise and merciful in victory as he was invincible in battle. Let this be an end to division and civil strife. I willingly pledge my loyalty to him, and I urge you all to do the same. Many of you here today fought against me. Many of you wished me dead. As some of you know, Caesar and I have had our disagreements. My father died on this floor, right there. Stabbed 27 times, butchered by men he called his friends. Who will tell me that is not murder? As some of you know, Caesar and I have had our disagreements. Back in the thousands, when I was a tour guide in New York City, on the double-decker buses, I was on top, I was the tour guide, and downstairs was the driver of the bus. And you could just get the hardest crowds, particularly in the summer, just really tough crowds. And there were particular spots that you would pick them up. Down in Battery Park, like at the end of the day, I mean, that was the worst spot because they had all come back from the ferries. And they were out there cooking in the park for an hour waiting to get on a bus. And you were just jamming them on the bus as fast as possible, upstairs and downstairs, and just trying to get out of there as fast as possible because you knew there was a whole bunch of other people just shooting darts at you who wanted to get on these buses, and they were blaming you. And you and the driver had to take these cooked people another hour and a half up the east side. And it's still hot. It's boiling and you're hitting traffic and they're just ripped and you have to figure out how you're going to deal with an angry crowd now the first approach i took was happy guide let's call it happy guide you know what i know you've been waiting a long time but we're gonna have a great time up the east side we got so much to show and talk about but that did not work at all i mean they're looking at you like you're some kind of idiot you know you're being cheerful was just a reminder that they actually were owed an explanation, an explanation you really couldn't give them. 
they're not going to get cheered up and they don't want to be told how to feel. So that didn't work at all. And, you know, after a while, I just get kind of sick of it, you know. So I'm just sitting here trying to do my best and you guys are all just pissed off at me. So I took another approach. Now, the second approach I took was just the opposite. You know, it was just real harsh. You're not happy. I'm not happy either. Sit down. Don't get up. I don't really want to answer questions. I know you're pissed off. I don't really care. Just sit down. We're going to get you to Times Square. Well, you know, surprisingly, that didn't really work either. Like, they weren't really that psyched about that. But I remember the moment I finally figured it out. Because there was a specific moment that I figured all of this out. It was on 47th and 8th Avenue. Okay, and that's where the Uptown Tour starts from. And that should be a relaxed tour. You know, that's an easy tour. and There really aren't that many lines there. But that day it was hot. It was really hot and steamy. And the bus was full upstairs. And we're not moving because we're not supposed to move. And I'm downstairs making jokes with the dispatchers and the driver. You know, just trying to pass the time. It's even hotter downstairs. I'm not exactly comfortable. And then it comes time for us to go. And I go up to plug in my mic at the front of the bus up top. And I remember this guy. He was in the front seat. I really see him. Like, I could totally draw a picture of this guy. He was kind of half bald. He wasn't big. He was American. He had a mustache. He had white hair. He had sunglasses on. And he was, like, half turned to me as I got up there. And he said... Are we going to go or what? Now, this guy just doesn't understand how it works, okay? There is an order. The buses leave every 15 minutes no matter what. That's just the way it works. I don't want to be there. I want to be going. But, you know, in the company's defense, that's the only way you can have any kind of order in the bus route. You can't just be sending them every couple minutes when they fill up. You've got to stagger them. So he thinks that I was just down in the bottom, just having a great old time with the driver. And when I get up there, he says it. He says, are we going to go or what? And I'm sitting there thinking, do I explain why we leave every 15 minutes? And the other thing is, I plug my mic in, I turn to the rest of the bus, and I can tell immediately they're just as mad as this guy. And at least this guy's vocalizing it. They're just as pissed off as this guy. And I'm just thinking, ah, oh, geez, you know, beginning of an hour and a half tour, this is just ruin and I'm thinking of my strategies and I'm thinking well I could uh, try to cheer them up but I know that doesn't work or I could try to be really harsh well obviously that doesn't work and so right at that moment I just made a decision and I really like told myself this I said I'm just gonna do the tour that I usually do but I'm gonna lay off the jokes I'm not gonna do jokes but I'm just gonna try to be as calm and neutral and as interesting as I can be And as the bus took off, that was my focus. You know, I'm going to take care of myself. Because I can't control this crowd. I understand they're pissed off. I can't control them. But I can take care of myself. So as we're going, even by Columbus Circle, I feel them pulling towards me. They become interested. They join me. And by the Dakota on Central Park West, I own that crowd. I own them. In fact... I may never have had a better crowd than that crowd. Because by the end of the tour, they were so grateful for that tour. They were grateful in a way that goes way beyond anything I could have told them. And I realized that what I had done was very simple. I had decided, I'm just going to take care of myself. This is all I can control. 
I'm going to give them an interesting tour. And if they want to join me, they can. And they did. And I realized that what I was restoring to them was their sense of choice. Back at 47th and 8th, cooking in the heat for 15 minutes, they had been robbed of their options. But by giving an interesting tour and staying neutral, not really being angry with them, but not trying to cheer them up, I let them come towards me. And then once they came towards me, I could bring the jokes back in the tour, and it was really transcendent. It was a transcendent tour. And I had a couple of those tours, because once I learned that trick, that the real goal is neutrality and to take care of myself, it really blossomed from there. And it got to the point that I even liked to deal with angry crowds. You know, I had no problem with it. I'd be in Battery Park City and people would be coming up and really hostile and I'd say, listen, guys, I'm your only friend you have down here. You gotta listen to me because I'm gonna tell you exactly what's gonna happen. And then I would tell them what was gonna happen. And that's exactly what did happen. And I could feel them calming down because I was honest. I was taking care of myself, and I was being honest with them. I was being straight with them. Hello, and welcome to Barbarian in the Valley. You're listening to 91.1 WMUA, and I'll be your barbarian for the duration. This is the maiden voyage of our Lank ship, which is Viking for warship. So grab a seat, grab an oar, and get ready to row. Every week, of course, we choose a theme. And then Showtime gets closer and closer, and we panic, and we just basically throw in anything we can. This week, our theme, Angry Crowds. I learned to love them as a tour guide in New York City, and you can learn to love them too. Just to let you know a little bit about our format, the first hour of Barbarian in the Valley is all output. But the second hour will be open to calls, and we'll be applying the needle to the Spotify. Now, my buddy Waylon, he insisted he had a good story about an angry crowd, so I called him earlier this week. At the time, I was working for Northampton Community Television, and I was in the cockpit of all the cameras for city council meetings, school committee meetings. And the thing that I took away from that was that local politics are an entirely different animal than national politics. The issues that are on the, on the docket, the local, are being made by individuals in your own neighborhoods. You know, there's a certain level of intimacy there. And on top of that, you, because you, you get that intimate perspective on what's going on, you see that these individuals are there for the good of, for the, good of the community and are putting in these long hours for your benefit. And so that right there is kind of setting the stage for the Occupy movement um, and what happened at one of those city council meetings. Thursday night um, at city council chambers, I knew that there was an Occupy Northampton gathering. Uh, I I knew that was going on, but to what extent and to where it was, I I knew it was downtown, but I didn't think much of it. Seven o'clock rolls around and, you know, like clockwork, the meeting starts, we fire up the cameras, no one in the audience because it's a city council meeting. Oh, great. We're going to talk about uh, they, uh, a street problem over on Prospect, this, that, and the other thing. So just like every week, the city council is sitting there and deliberating on some run-of-the-mill stuff. It's probably an hour into the meeting, hour and a half into the meeting. You can kind of hear the, um, you know, the banging of drums. And I'm like, oh, what the hell's going on? And soon the meeting room, all those empty chairs... Uh, they're filled. So when they come in, they're chanting. 
So they were chanting, I forget exactly what they were chanting, but, you know, this is what democracy looks like or something like that. I don't want to say that it was this is what democracy looks like, because um, this, if, if that was, that's poetic justice. I mean, or that's just so poetic, because this is not what democracy looks like. Democracy looks like the people sitting in a, a, a room half asleep trying to go over the, the last zoning committee. Uh, when they come in, they start uh, taking over the room and everything, and then they start shouting demands. You know, I'm just picking them off in my head. I'm like, there's something in regards to, um, to affordable housing or space for seniors. We had just created, the, we had just built the new senior center. The, I mean, they're, they're, they're really preaching to the choir. They're really, um, well, I, I said preaching to the choir. They're really yelling at the choir. They're just railing, and they're just railing on the city council. And so, so what I did afterwards is, you know, like I wrote a, um, I wrote an op-ed to the Gazette, and it was, and it said, the the title of it was "Occupy versus Taking Up Space." And essentially, I said, uh, one, you were out of line because you you weren't informed on when you can, uh, when you have the ability to speak at these meetings. If there were some, I want to say this too. There could be times where civil disobedience, whatever minute form that could be, where you could go in there no. and override that city council. They chose to not be informed on the process, and I think that it hurt their... Yeah. It, was counter, it was counterproductive to what they were trying to do. Right. 